episode 013. Welcome back to the Debate Without Debate podcast. And if you're new, welcome. In today's episode, we have a really amazing guest, arguably one of my most favorite guests, Shane Elias. You're a little biased, though, with that one. He's yeah. like your best friend. <laughs> uh, my homie. Hey, guys. It's great to be here. I'm really stoked. Shane as we do with everyone would you be able to give a little bit of a description of yourself just to start off so we can get a background on you um myself um I like art a lot I mean I'm really big into fashion I like to read I watch a lot of movies just more on the artistic side that's pretty much it I mean (laughs) (laughs) it's pretty dope bro so where, where do we begin Shane where do you want to begin what part um Looking anywhere, dude. All right, let's talk about music. Uh, what music do you usually listen to, Shane? Um, I I used to listen to rap. I mean, a while ago, but now I've moved to like soft rock kind of stuff. It's really weird. What do you mean, like like early two thousands? Early two thousands type of stuff. Yeah, yeah. that's, that's soft, the best music. Soft rock and like stuff on classical, some slightly classical stuff. I listen. To. I like that. So, why do you think that shift occurred? Why? Um. I feel like there's more meaning in, in, like, stuff like that. I mean, rap, you know, they talk about drugs, violence, like, getting girls, stuff like that. But, like, there's more meaning behind, like, soft rock or, like, the type of classical music I, like, I listen to now. Hmm. I definitely agree. So, Joe and I have been talking about this a little bit lately. Um, we kind of almost glorify the past, like, past music, thinking that it's better I'm wondering from you. Oh, I'm actually curious about one person because I feel like he could potentially. He seems like a dude that you might like. Do you like Tyler, the creator? Yeah, I used to be really big on Tyler, the creator. Yeah. What? Oh, I'm, I'm curious. And what really changed? Big. Um, I don't know. He, his fan base kind of grew a bit annoying. Like the whole Flower Boy era. Yeah. Like, I like that type of music. Cause it was like jazz, blues type of stuff with a lot of singing. But then his fan base kind of got a bit out of control. So hot, hot take on Igor. What's your thing? What you think of it? Um, I think it's a good album. I think that it's his album. Like he produced it, he made everything. He wrote all the lyrics. It's not meant to be played on the radio. It's meant for like him to express himself, him to like get out of his comfort zone and like show who he is to the public. I mean, I know it's got a lot of great feedback. It's mm-hmm. a great album. Like artistically, it's fantastic in my opinion. Really? Okay, that's interesting. I I don't. Maybe it's, I'm just not the demographic he's looking for. But I, to- I I don't totally understand the message behind it. The whole album, um, from what I see, it's all devoted to heartbreak, pretty much. Like, you see the song list, like, the songs are, like, running out of time, like, I don't love you anymore, like, stuff like that. Supposedly, I, I don't know. It's all about him, like, having his heart broken and um, him expressing his feelings. Like, it's, I, I don't know for sure, but that's my take on it. Hmm. Interesting. That's dope. And you're also into Frank Ocean, I'm assuming. Yeah, I love Frank Ocean. Frank Ocean. Yeah, he, he schemed the record industry. Dude. Yeah. I don't um, understand. Okay, can you break <laughs> this down? Because I genuinely I th- I don't, don't I don't know it as much. Okay. I watched um, ASAP Rocky talk about it pretty yeah. much. So Frank Ocean's notorious for never really releasing music. He <laughs> <laughs> released an album like every five years. So he was with Sony Record, Sony Record label, I'm pretty sure. Um, he released Channel Orange and like maybe three singles. You know, Channel Orange was like a hit and won awards, stuff like that. And after that, he did not release any albums. And then he waited, I'd say like four years. What was it? it was like four or five years. 2016, he came out with the live stream called Endless. It was like 45 minutes. 
and it was I don't want to I love Endless I think it's like awesome like I think it's super awesome so it was just a bunch of songs that he made it was like a a new era for him I guess so the day after um he released Endless he his contract was over with Sony mm. and then he released his album Blonde yeah. yeah the day after <laughs> the day oh after and that album pretty much blew up and he's getting a lot of spotlight now and he's he, all the revenue that he makes goes to him and um, so is, wait he, so he's, he's, he's independent not, now he's not he, signed he has his own record label and everything that's <laughs> great what yeah so the second the, he, he held back music so just yeah to, and um He's he had, he's had a podcast and a radio. He has, he has a, a podcast. It's kind, of, kind of a podcast. It's really? Like, uh, it's, it's called Blonde Radio. Blonded Radio. It's on Apple Music. It's on Apple. Okay. Yeah. Okay. He has interviews Dang. with like Jay Z on there. That's crazy. It's, um, it's really cool. That's so dope. What about these artists in your mind makes them popular? Yeah, it's always a curious. Uh, Frank Ocean. Yeah. They're not like the norm, and their songs kind of express that too. Um, they sing about whatever they want. Like Tyler the Creator, he's probably the most controversial. Like homie's a clown. Yeah, he's, he's such a clown. A clown. He's he does such straight a clown. up. He a does clown. whatever he wants, and people love that because <laughs> he's like the people. And Do you think? Because I don't really, I don't know if he's the people per se, but I think people just like mess with the fact that he's he does not give an f. He's a he, he's like a, he's like a, he's like a comedic pretty much. Yeah, he's just funny in every single way. See, but. I think that there's a lot of unorthodox artists who aren't in the spotlight already. Like, you see people on the street in New York City. Yeah. You know, like, these people are so talented, and they're so not the norm. Yet, why do these people, like Tyler, the Creator, Frank Ocean, get all the spotlight when these street performers, who arguably are better artists, um, don't? You know? I know plenty of artists that I listen to that nobody knows of, and I think they're amazing. I mean... I, I can't justify anything. It's pretty much all I can say is the music industry is so difficult. That's the, so the advertising yourself is really hard. Signing with a good record label to publicize yourself, it's really difficult. Um, I don't know. Tyler was early on. He created Odd Future. It was, just like, it was literally just a, like a bunch of goons just messing around yeah, making like music. Earl and they go crazy. And um, they kind of blew up from there. So... Remind me if I'm wrong, but who has someone has a clothing brand, right? It's golf. Oh, oh, uh, Fra- uh, yes, Tyler yeah, has Tyler. Golf. Tyler has a clothing brand called Golf. Golf, um, yeah. It. I mean, they sold Odd Future merch. Mm. I think from that kind of emerged Golf. It's it's Golf Wing, pretty much the full name. Golf I mean, wing. I used to, <laughs> I used to wear a lot of golf. Um, that's because I was a huge Tyler fan, but. His stuff is cool. I mean, he has a lot of controversial stuff there too. Like he's made like a shirt, like a KKK shirt. What? Like, yeah. Yeah. I, I saw that. He's I, had. He's had like, what, white what's on it? It's like um, some racial symbol and like the golf logo. Why did? Uh, obviously, you don't know because you're not him. But in your mind, why do you think he likes to provoke all these things? Like what? He doesn't support it. Clearly not. Yeah. He's. He's controversial. That's what he's known for. So he's gonna put out controversial stuff. I mean, clearly he's against racism and stuff like that. But I feel like you're spreading a message message through wearing stuff like that. I mean, like whoever's wearing that isn't supporting racism or the K like the KKK. Like it's kind of just a statement. 
going against it all. Mm. I feel that. So you're also really interested in fashion, right? Yeah. This, I think... Man, you're you're like a different dude. I think yeah. I think we all agree with that. Shane is definitely I... unorthodox. <laughs> oh, thank you, I guess. Yeah, it's, it's a compliment. What what got you interested in fashion? My um my father uh works in the fashion industry and he used to take me to work and like I'd see the studio, I'd see where he worked. And it's amazing cuz it's like art. It's it's um it's a way to express yourself in a sense. Every nobody has the same fashion style. Everybody's different. Like it's crazy. Honestly, I mean <laughs> I got into it. It I started out with streetwear, you know, the whole Supreme stuff back in like fourth, fifth grade. Sure. Yeah, Joey yeah, was on course, that. Dude. I was on that. Me and my friend Eli Levitt, we used to like grind that. Yeah. <laughs> and then you evolve. You find yourself through fashion. It's um it's kind of just a way to express yourself, um, to the public. I mean, what you wear is who you are mm. to some extent. You know, like you might wear like dirty rags, like you might have like some beat up shirt. I mean, that means like you're kind of dirty, maybe. Like, <laughs> like if you're wearing like a nice clean outfit, you're like probably you know, you're put together. You're like mm. you're clean. You come off nice, and like I think what you wear really expresses yourself. That's I agree with that. I ever since I don't think middle school, Joe, you might be able to. Uh, yeah, ever since I think changed. I think we have a similar story, or at least for me. When I started off, uh, like, I, I'm definitely not as into fashion as you are. But when I started getting into fashion, it was initially started off as streetwear. So, of course, like, Supreme. Um, what's some other stuff? Like, Palace. Palace. Like oh, my God. All that Palace, stuff. Yeah. I was a fiend for that. I still have <laughs> stuff in my house from it. But um, I, I initially, I thought of it as, like, a monetary piece of clothing, which I could buy and sell and make that's a profit what, off that's of. That's pretty much what I started off as Yeah. Well. You were, like, flipping clothing? It was. I still do that now, pretty oh, much. Oh, really? Yeah. But I think, I think my perspectives changed because... While I initially looked at clothing as something which I can make money off of, mm -hmm. now it's evolved into an art form. So you have people like Alexander Wang, um, just major, all people, yeah, yeah, all those people. Like they're artists, and people forget that. You know, that's why there's two sides in the fashion industry. There's the market, and there's the artistic side. So you know, there's clothes, there's brands that like they're made to appeal to the public, and then I'm more interested in the clothes that are. Like on the more artistic side, they're art pieces to me. Like I have a piece of clothing that I consider as an art piece. Like I think it's well put together, and, and like it's really complicated to kind of explain. But um, I refer to it as an art piece. Would you Would you ever wear it? Yeah, I'd wear it. What uh, What prevents you from doing so? Then it's art, dude. Would you wear a Van Gogh? <laughs> well, no, but like, what prevents me from wearing? So hold on, I've so, worn it before. So I I then have a question. What distinguishes the market side from the art side is there anything um because i feel like it's kind of subjective the art you know? side is really complex okay um the piece that i have is very complex the whole all the stitching the fabric um everything about it is really complex the market side to it it's simple it's it's made for the people like uniqlo like i love uniqlo i'm not sure dude. dude uniqlo is everybody so is nice. sleeping They're on sleeping. uniqlo this you shirt's from uniqlo you know like why? uniqlo is the spot i love monochromatic outfits yeah like, facts yeah. it's like you have the same color but different shades yep and like i think anything you can make any nice outfit like with the right colors mm. the real right talk. fabric like anything could be well put together but for them, it's just simple stuff. Like, you know, they have plain color tees, stuff like that. And I, I love plain color tees. I'm not going to hate on them. Yeah. But, like, 
their shirts with certain prints that have certain messages with with certain stitchings, knits, etc. that, you know, are more evolved, I guess you could say. Do you mm. think that the art side and the business side can coexist? Yeah, definitely. Peacefully? I think they can coexist 100%. Um, I mean, Dior kind of does that. Prada does that as well. Yeah. I mean, well, not really market side. It's not, it's not for the people, but it's made to sell. It's made to be sold. It's made to be mm-hmm. bought. There's clothes that is not, like, they're not made to make money. They're made because they're art. And they're mm-hmm. put out there and nobody buys it, really. I'm wondering, what did you think of... You know when Cause did a collab with, with Uniqlo? What did yeah. you think of those pieces? Do you think that's considered art or is that... Because um, it's in Uniqlo? It's art. It's yeah. it's art, but it's art for... Like, it's marketed art. Um, I love that idea. I think Uniqlo, like, doing collaborations with... Like, they're doing another collaboration with this big artist coming up soon. I forgot mm-hmm. the name of it. But um, I think it's really cool. I think it's like a way for somebody who can't get expensive stuff that could attain that. And like, it's a way to express themselves if they can't afford that type of stuff. Like college shirts, I don't know, what are they? They're pricier. Yeah, but they're not that much. I think they were like twenty twenty five dollars No, yeah. yeah, those were like twenty twenty five. but yeah. like a normal college tee. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're, yeah, yeah I got you. Expensive. Do you have any fear in your mind that... When you market the art side, this this I find this stuff kind of interesting, cause as soon as you you market things to the masses, like Kanye type of stuff, yeah, right? Yeah, Where he's always he's stuff. like, I want everyone to have my yeah. shoes. And look, but, and if you literally walk in our school, well, like, yeah, everybody and their mama. I mean, has to. our school's <laughs> yeah. a little like high and tidy, like a little different. Yeah, but is there any fear in your mind of losing the art size side to the monetary side? Yeah, 100%. Do you because think that's happened? Companies are made to make money. Yeah. And if you're not making money, then you're broke, and then mm. you're going to go out of business. I definitely think there's fear in my mind that's going to evaporate, I guess you can say. Um, but I think it won't. I mean, there's a fear, but I don't think it will. I think because fashion, you know, there's just two sides, and I think it's kind of like a cult, I guess you can say. Um People love the art side. That's why kids go to FIT, fashion school, is because they're not in it for the market aspect. They're in it to express themselves and, and make art. Hmm. So, That's, What do you think the future of fashion is going to be? Because I have a lot of thought on this, and I think that Uniqlo, uh, their kind of aesthetic is what, what's the um, future, but I'm curious on your take of it. So if you know like Korean fashion, if you know anything about like Korean fashion, stuff like that, I don't... I'm not a big guy on Korean fashion. I mean, no hate against it, yeah. but it's really simple. It's, um, yeah, Uniqlo stuff. The simple colors and, like, a nice dress shirt and stuff like that. That's what, like, everybody will be wearing, stuff, some stuff like that. But I think, like, the art aspect of future in a few years, I think it's going to be, like, cubic. I don't know. Cubic? Cubic? Yeah. Like, some Picasso type stuff? I, I don't know. Cubism. Is it kind of like the <laughs> no, like, like the like, Japanese um, stuff where they got very boxy cuts for everything? Yeah. Oversized, like. Very, but I don't know. Oversized kind of is outdone now. Mm. It's um. I mean, Kanye that doing was like Kanye quadruple Kanye extra Kanye large type of shirts. Right? Yeah, Kanye. <laughs> Kanye did that. Oh, yo, I, I think that's over. I'm also curious. Another hot take. Do you think Kanye's a genius? I think he's. A I genius. think he's a genius. I think he's such a genius. I think he's an absolute genius, but he's crazy. He's, <laughs> he's a bad genius. shit, bro. If you look at every genius, they have something wrong with themselves. And That's true. I think that since you know, he's so publicized, 
he is advertised all the time. He's on social media like every day. People are more aware. Like, mm. and I'm sure many people weren't aware about Albert Einstein and like his autism. I'm not like relating him yeah. to Albert Einstein, but I'm saying that every genius has some sort of problem with themselves. Yeah, I mean, you have to be meticulous. Yeah. And, and um, you know, people are just more aware of that and he's getting more backlash for it. That's true. I think that it's really interesting how he started off in the music industry being like a nobody popped off then slowly expanded into every other industry. Wasn't yeah. wasn't he a producer before he started making his I don't, own music? I don't know the specific. I think he was a producer. I, uh, I think he was. Because he has his own record label, right? Yeah, he does. He signs uh, a lot of people. That's kind of... When it, when it comes to, to producers, I think ultimately those are the people who should get the most credit for... for yeah, the, they, get, the, they get... Like the fame of everyone else. It's, they also uh, make more money as far as I know, than the artists actually do. Producers make a lot of money. Surprisingly, well, not surprisingly, but like they do. Of course, the artists make more. But they don't get enough credit as they should. Mm-hmm. And I completely agree with that. Sometimes I feel like sense. the credit, though, they don't want it. Like that, that whole aspect of stealth wealth. Like they don't want to be in the, <laughs> in the light. They don't want to be the highlight. I don't know. I can't speak for them. Yeah, but true. that might be true. Do you want to explain what your idea of stealth wealth is? All right. Yeah, I, go in. Go oh in my. depth. Okay, nah, I gotta do this. Um, <laughs> all right. So, one thing that I've been thinking about a lot recently is this idea of wealth, and not just the stereotypical "have a lot of money, flaunt it everywhere, Louis Vuitton everywhere," all that sort of stuff, but modest wealth, and what I like to refer to as stealth wealth. I've never heard of it before. Um, it's but got a the, good ring to it. The though. whole premise yeah. is that. You know the number one on the Forbes top 500 list, but you don't know number 123. But they're stealth wealth. Like, you don't know their name. Yeah, they could be walking on the street with it. Yeah, they're, they're like, super rich, but they're just so low-key about it. And I admire that. That's what I That's what I kind of aspire to be because, you know, I, I never really wanted the limelight. I never do want the limelight. Um, people who want the li- limelight, they can they can take they it as much problems. as they Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if, if you want to be... Once you become famous, you notice you don't really want to become famous. That's what the, I think. I apply that to everything. Pretty Dude, much. but it, it happens with wealth too. A lot of, you know, I find it really hard. I take it from a different perspective. Kind of like, so I, I like to do a lot of reading about these subjects. Mm. And specifically, um, I read a few books that touch on happiness and what, how, like how to live a happy life. And everything that I read from people who are rich, they're like, this hasn't changed me. Do you know Mike Posner by any chance? Uh, I took a pill in Ibiza. Oh, yeah. Oh, he, my God. Hey, bro, he's big different. He's, but, and nobody nobody really knows him. Yeah. Like, I, I saw a video of him doing one. He was, he was watching somebody yeah, perform his song, and he claps for them. They had no idea who he was, yeah. and he asked to sing with them. Because he's mad low. He's the definition of self-wealth. Nah, I, I don't know if, like... <laughs> he looks like a Hawaiian he, native. Low-key. <laughs> but he's, 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 like on, he's on a different wave right now. He is. But, but regardless, one thing that he talks about, because he's on this, like, whole spiritual journey now. He actually also has a podcast, which is, like, kind of interesting. Really? I, I kind of dislike his voice. Like, I don't, that's just my opinion. <laughs> I, it's it's a little annoying. When, it, when he's not singing. Yeah, but... So I was listening to him and he's like, there's a, do you know who impact theory is? It's like this, it's like basically, um, kind of like a talk show type thing, but very focused on spirituality. It's on YouTube. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's on YouTube. It's very, very interesting. And he's on impact theory and he talks about, you know, I got everything. I had the girls, I had the drugs, I had the money, I had everything I ever wanted and I hadn't changed at all. 
And he always thought when he was, because he went to Duke, he's like, when I went to Duke and I started all this stuff, I always thought if I got the money, if I got the deal, if I got the hit record, my life would change and nothing changed. And in a way, the same thing applies with wealth. You amass a ton of money. You could get whatever the hell you want. But at the end of the day, it doesn't change who you are, which is why I think the idea of like, whatever, quote unquote, stealth wealth is kind of appealing because it reduces the flaunting nature of what a lavish lifestyle would look like. It's just a matter of being successful. And, and it kind of allows you to determine what you want to do with whatever you can amass, whether it be fame, whether it be mm-hmm. wealth, what, whether it be intellect. And you get to, to ride that path yourself. I don't know. That's my take yeah, on it. Yeah, I feel like stealth wealth stems from a passion <laughs> passion <laughs> passion <laughs> no but um yeah I, I think that stealth wealth really does stem from a passion as opposed to um the initial drive being money which is what what i think the podcast kind of is like we, we don't have any monetary incentives <laughs> but but still like i feel like that makes it way more genuine and i feel like people who embrace this aspect of stealth wealth they're mm-hmm. that much more successful because of it you it's- know and everybody everybody all over says this. if you do what you want and you work hard and you're good at it you're gonna succeed quotable but, moment. but it, it's just gotta take time and yeah and you have to you know you gotta work hard for it yeah and that's how life is but um everybody wants to be famous everybody dreams about you know being in the spotlight being on the red carpet you know with celebrities stuff like that but like are you sure that's what you want Hmm. Very true. You, you can't walk outside of your. You can't walk outside of your house. You can't have a family, uh, without being stopped, without having the paparazzi look at you, without being interviewed. Dude, I was just I was just talking about this with my parents, and also one of my friends' name is Brandon. Shout out to you, Brandon, because I know you're listening. Will be. <laughs> um, but we were talking about this idea. In my mind, I think there's an epidemic right now of people not being self-aware, where. People, and I talked to to Aman. Aman was on the podcast. I talked to him about this, and he he always tells me that people view themselves how other people view them. So it's always like this mirror mentality. You never truly, you never truly know yourself, and you ride the culture. And at that point, you don't. If you are self aware, in my mind, the definition of self awareness is knowing your limits and knowing your needs. And I feel like so many people don't know that. I think that's very important. And, and when it comes to, to the whole happiness side, I think it's even more important because I hear stories of people who are on farms in like Thailand mm-hmm. and they build their house out of mud and they do subsistence farming. So they're not making really like any money. They're just living yeah, their life yeah. and they, they enjoy that and they're happy. And I always ask that's myself, amazing. why, how could someone with so little be so, have so much? Do you know what I mean? And I've thought about, th- I thought about that too. Like the matter of like the matter of success, just because you're successful does not mean you're happy. Yeah. You can be successful, have all the money in the world and be miserable. You have to find what you like to do. Although you may you might not make the most money on it. You know, you might not get like all the girls in the world, you might not like I don't know, be famous because you're you're doing it. But if it makes you happy, if you're satisfied with it, then that's what you should do. Like your main motive in life isn't to make money. That's what the government wants. The government wants you to make money, but you don't know what you want to do. You have to find that. You know, once you find that, it's really great. I mean, I haven't found it yet. Yeah, so. yeah. I think How, that. I think that for me, that's one of the most irritating parts. 
knowing that once you find your passion, like you're clear to go, the path to success almost seems clear because you know where your future lies Mm -hmm. in terms of what you're interested in. And when you don't find it, which is a huge issue, I, I think almost an epidemic for the teenagers in the 21st century, that we don't know what we're good at. And we don't know yeah. what we're interested in. And that's why, because kids, they have to branch out. Very true. Uh, you have to start trying new things. Mm-hmm. You know, this year, <laughs> out, of, out of the blue, I love, I love uh, listening to the guitar and stuff like that. I'm just like, you know what? I might just play the guitar. I might just pick up the guitar, you know, have some fun with it. Because I play the piano, you know, I know something about music. And I love it. I absolutely love it. I think the guitar is really rewarding. And I found something that I like to do. And people can't find stuff that they like to do because they don't try. Hmm. You know, they're so stuck with what they're doing. They're so stuck with like that their normal routine that they're scared, I guess, to change it. What about why? Why do you think people do that? Because I think I have my own take on that, but I'm curious what what you think. Um, why don't people? Why Why don't we encourage that? I feel like I feel like they're scared of the public. I don't know. People they're afraid that people I guess will make fun of them yeah. or judge them differently. But once again, that's that's a mentality of like you thinking about what other people think of you. So, you know, I feel like you should just do what you want, you know, kind of go with your gut, go mm. with your instincts and live your life because, you know, you can only live it once pretty much. Yo, dude, that that reminds me. I'm going off on a little bit of a tangent. But this uh, this other thing I was talking to to my friend Brandon about yesterday because we when we were on the trip so we were on a trip to uh, what's it called um, Six Flags Great Adventure for <laughs> for a physics trip um, and we had like a three hour ride long as hell most people are like damn I, I like I freaking hate this I was like you know what like I'm gonna sit with my boy we're gonna talk and we I was talking to him about this this thought I think we as a like a, a human race focus way too much on rationalizing our our choices like explaining it in a logical term and i think we got to trust more of our gut that's true though because because you can rationalize anything it's very true but for me what i find difficult is the area which we live in almost like i don't even know the word to describe it but moves us away from our internal gut feeling we were kind of talking about this last night yeah like you're i think that your innate thought or whatever your body is telling you to do is basically cut off by uh, external factors for instance technology your friends Mm -hmm. peer pressure whatever you want to call it you have a thought about doing something and then you always think the con yeah you know and that stops somebody from doing something and that's really bad Mm -hmm. because you never know if you could be good at something you never know if you'd like something it's i think that attitude of of trying anything because just for the fact of trying it, like, I don't know about you. What what are what's your take on failure? I think failure is necessity. Boom. I think you need to fail in order to succeed. Facts. Or else you won't learn. No, I agree. I learned I learned that the hard way from like falling on my face, somewhat literally. Like I I literally kind of destroyed my body when I fell <laughs> off a guitar. I mean, not not fell a off guitar. A guitar. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely did not fall off a guitar. Off a longboard. Off a longboard. A longboard. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I like I sc- I cut up my entire. <laughs> I body. tried to do a kickflip the other day, and I just I, I almost like broke my neck. <laughs> Is that why your neck can't move? <laughs> no, that's not. I slept on it fun. All right, I see you. But um, Shane was doing mad push-ups last night. He's like, oh shit. Nah, he was doing <laughs> he was doing like uh, what's it called? His his 
You were watching a video the other day. Oh, yeah. It's like neck raises some or something. Dude guy with a big neck. <laughs> yeah, the Russian guy. Yeah, yes, I saw that. His traps look like traffic cones. No, but, but back to what I'm saying. Um, you really got to try. It's like coding. We talk about this in coding in a technological kind of sense. It's, you know, you build code and you learn off of the code that you messed up on to make the right code, to make mm. everything work. That's kind of how life is. Yeah. You know, you build off your mistakes and, you know, you work from that. And there might be minor changes, there might be major changes, but it, it will pretty much all work out in the end. How'd you get interested in uh, computer science? Um, I've always kind of been tech savvy. And I was just interested in it. I mean, I thought it was more of literal computer science. Not like the coding aspect, but like, you know, like the IP, IP addresses, all stuff like that. Like, we learned that. That was, I'd say, half the unit, but we also learned about coding. And it was interesting. I thought it was a really good course. And um, if you have to choose an AP or something like that, you yeah. should definitely, definitely take that class. Hmm. For sure. I was going to say something something dope. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot, though. Oh, 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 about failure. Um, I I think that this has been a reoccurring theme in the podcast. We always talk about failure for some reason. I think it's Everybody just, fails. Yeah, it's, because... It's, Everybody fails. Everyone fails, and it's like a common thread between all of us. It's a bonding experience, if you want to call it that. But um, I just don't know if current institutions enforce, or not even, not I don't want to say enforce, but it's incentivize like failure. Or, or embrace it. Or embrace it, because we all know that it's a natural part of mm -hmm. life. Like, it's going to happen whether you like it or not. But if we try and divert from that just reoccurring theme of failure is a necessary aspect of life, then we're just lying to ourselves. Mm. And I, I just don't know if current institutions like school or other institutions, maybe you, you could point out some other ones, um, just incentivize that. I think, yeah, I think failure is definitely a necessity, but you shouldn't use that term kind of to just throw it away, you know, in case you mess up and you can't just say like, oh, you know, failure happens and you consistently fail because mm -hmm. then you're not trying to work off of it. Um, I understand some of that aspect, but yeah, failure is a necessity. It's pretty much, it's universal. It's, it happens. It's natural. For sure. I think when a, when you talk about institutions, I'd love to delve into some of the institutions that I think we would both agree don't enforce um, the, the need for failure. I think the biggest one is our educational system. Mm hmm I think the focus on material grades and getting perfect scores and feeling the need to have a perfect GPA all reinforce the idea that if you are not perfect, you are not succeeding. Whereas I have seen countless people who have perfect GPAs, have perfect everything in the mind of other people, but one, one slash at their legs from a failure will knock them down forever. I know somebody like that. <laughs> Joey does too. Uh, um, that, but that's that's hard. It's yeah. It's um, cause you know we tell the kids that you know you need a certain grade to get into college. It's all it's a big competition. You're competing against your peers, and you know it's the race to the top. So you know everybody's motive is to do well. Nobody's motive is to learn. Who's there to learn? You know I'm I'm in school to learn. Yeah. I'm going to college to learn. Yeah. You know, everybody's just focused on doing well, you, you know, and that's kind of how I think about that. And failure is definitely, I guess, shamed upon in school. 
you know, if you fail, then what are you, you know, failure pretty much. um, School has to, you know, teach kids at a young age that, you know, failure happens and that you have to grow off of it and they'll become more successful. You'll see how it works. Yeah. It's insane. But when it comes to different systems, I know Joey and I have always been really interested in how Scandinavian countries yeah, have so Finland, yeah, Finland, Finland in particular, um, they have a fairly unorthodox approach to schooling in comparison to the United mm-hmm. States. Um, and one of the key elements of their educational system is that they rarely focus on grades. So they don't give any grade whatsoever except for an entry and a path. Oh, no, it's, I think it's just an exiting exam. Um, and they yeah. focus more on the educational quality. Also, they pay, pay teachers more, so they have more quality education mm-hmm. um, and more qu- better quality teachers. And the impacts of Scandinavian or particularly Finnish school systems are tremendous in a positive way, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, though one of my issues is that I don't know how applicable that would be to the American audience, and the Finnish school system even talks about that. You had a that, conversation about this with one of your teachers. Yeah, right? one of my teachers. They're, they're yeah. um, uh, Stamitas, I think. Mm. Yeah. I... I think that'd be a genius idea, but I think it's too late. Too late. I think we can't. I can't. I th- Maybe we can't for us, that. but like, what about other generations? I I I don't know, honestly. Mm. I mean, I don't think that would be put into system hmm. at all. I'm a little I'm a little cynical about a lot of things when it comes to to changing our political system or at least how how our education works, because I think. So our, our educational system is built off of a factory model of education where mm-hmm. in the mid-1900s with the increase in factory workers, they wanted people to be able... And, and it makes sense, like how school is set up, right? Mm-hmm. You got... Joe, Joe always calls it the definition of insanity is, is school because you sit for 45 minutes, at least in our school. Yeah, you get a four-minute four break, break, but your break isn't really a break. You're running around running doing to stuff. You go to your next station. Yeah, you're, exactly. And, and, and you have to think... You have to change your whole brain, think a different way. You know what it was? So during, you know, industrialism, yeah, stuff like that, you know, kids had nowhere to be. They had nobody to watch them. So they threw them in school. Yep. What school? School is just teaching them how to work in a factory yep. pretty much. And that's, it's, it, that hasn't changed. And it's, it's, it's almost like the greatest crime reduction too. Because if, if, yeah. if your kids aren't in school being watched by someone like, like a babysitter, then they're probably going to be doing some stupid stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, the same like, reason why people have community centers. That's the same I reason why they were in school. School is literally like a factory. You, you have go to the next station, you have what, a 45 minute break? You know, and whoever does best, I guess, they go to a great college, like getting the higher, highest pay or something like but that. But you see, that's, I think getting the highest pay is a misconception because I watched, I, I don't know if it was a Vox video, um, but it talked about the long-term impacts of being top of your class. So being valedictorian, salutatorian. Long-term. And, yeah, and so props to you if you have if you are the valedictorian or salutatorian of your class. I want to preface by saying that. Yeah, I'm sure you've put in a lot of work. Yeah, absolutely. But, the long-term impacts of that, meaning in terms of success in the real world, are infinitesimally small. And if anything, they see a negative correlation between the two. They mean nothing, but it's it's the stress in your mind that you need to succeed. You know, you're the valedictorian, you think you're the best. So then you go into the real world expecting to be the best. And that might not be what you get. So the stress put upon something like somebody by that is really unhealthy. Um, that's pretty much all I have to say on that. Hmm. I mean, 
what the video talked about pretty much yeah i'll send you it All i'll right. also link it in the we'll link I, it in the I'm, I'm interested description shane I, I got an interesting question you are always a very chill dude like genuinely i don't think i've ever seen you freak out and when you have you're still calmer than most people <laughs> i don't really freak out yeah so i'm Everyone, because people, people, I think would, people would say like you probably smoke a lot you know i don't i, I know i know i know um but i'm wondering why why are you so calm what what um, keeps you chill <laughs> well i go by this quote i don't know who said it only you can make yourself angry you have control over that emotion i mean you know if somebody says something bad that makes you angry you can only control that mm-hmm. and that's kind of what i think you know I heard somebody say that, and I and I thought I was like, I wonder if that could really work, and it could, it could, because it's not going to be the end of the world. Let's say if you get a bad grade, you know, you do poorly on a test, or like somebody doesn't want to go out with you, it's not the end of the world, like you know. And if you freak out about that, like that's only going to bring you down. You kind of got to know where you are and like how to kind of live life, live mm-hmm. it in the moment, pretty much. For sure. Was there ever a point in your life where you were really anxious or um, were just kind of off your rocker? Yeah. Um, somewhat earlier this year, I was a bit, I was a bit like um, anxious a bit. Uh, um, I don't know how to kind of express it, but it was um, a matter of knowing where I am with my friends, kind of finding people that I can have a conversation with, people that I can, I can debate with. Not ironically, but in a friendly manner. For sure. Um, and, you know, now I, I mean, I love, I'm friends with pretty much everybody in the school. Floater? And I, Yeah, floater pretty much. And that's good because you don't want any enemies, do you? No, you don't want any restrictions either. I feel yeah. like you're just hurting yourself if you only subject yourself to one type of person or one friend group. Cause but it, on, on the other side, if you're floating around a lot, I can understand how it could give you a lot of angst. Yeah, because no one, everyone's on like the same level. Yeah. And that, that's a little bit irritating because you don't have any super, super close people who you can confide in. Oh, yeah. You're, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the mic's good. All right, cool. Um, yeah, you. I mean, like, you don't have a static friend group if you're a floater, pretty much. Um and that's kind of how it works. But I think if you have friends that you can, you know, have deep, like, conversations, ongoing conversations about whatever for how long, then that's how you know. Like, they're good friends. They're mm. like, people who are there for you, people that you can actually talk to. You know, those are good friends. It's kind of a, a level of maturity. So I'm, I'm going to give you props for I, that. I give you props for a lot of stuff, by the way. Because you're you're <laughs> different, and that's hard. It's really yeah, hard. it and, is really hard. Especially floater, in our that, town. That's hard. All that stuff's hard. It is. One of the biggest things I have respect for you, uh, of you, is a level of maturity that I see very, very infrequently with a ton of people. Because I know a lot, and and if people look at you, they might not expect you to have this level of maturity. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, completely. I know. Joey and I have had the same thing where people will come up to us and they'll be like, yo, I thought you were a douchebag. And then I realized, like, you're a nice dude. <laughs> For me, they're like, no, uh, you're actually... Hey. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what it is. In this town, because people's expectations are so low, by people people act certain ways, you know? And they just go up to somebody, and they think they're going to be, you know, like, a dick, pretty much. But, you know, you don't know somebody. 
Like I can talk to. We were talking to some random guy at Dude, Starbucks. We were yesterday. we were sitting outside of Star. This, this is how you know we're clouds, man. <laughs> this, this is how you know we're good kids. We don't we don't do no, we don't do drugs. Berries, bro. We went to a supermarket. Yeah, we bought some berries. Of course, you always on the berry <laughs> grind, like bench. a legitimate. We sat on the bench, yeah. ate some berries, like. Shoot the shit, as you want to call it. I mean, we were just saying, <laughs> we were like old men. We were like, yeah, old we were like men. you know, like in, in the Muppets, where where there's like the, the two old Dude, guys. The Muppets are the best show ever. Yeah. Uh, true, true, true. <laughs> well, we can talk about that later. But anyway, um, so we were literally just talking about anything. We were, and then we met this guy. I've it was it like Albert. Albert? Yeah, shout out Albert, man. Yeah, like, shout out Albert. He's a cool guy. Shout out Albert. But we were talking to some dude from Starbucks, and it was just such a dope time. And one thing which I learned from that, or I guess it's kind of like a reoccurring um, theme, is F your preconceived notions on people. Like, you never know until you try. It's, it's completely true. Somebody might be waiting for them, you know, for you to talk to them. Like, you never know. For sure. You know, like, I, I, until this year, I've never really had intellectual conversations. So nobody really knows who I am. You know, they just see a, a facade, kind of. Mm. And... That can that could be a lot of people. A lot of people, you know, they haven't experienced an intellectual conversation. They, they, you know, they haven't been able to express their feelings. So, you know, your idea of them is not what they really are. Hmm. Recognizing that is is huge. Though. Yeah, big difference. Cause I, and there's no there's no point in judging people who who aren't at that point yet. Yeah, so maybe maybe some sometime down the road they will. Mm-hmm. But we do really have a culture, and and I think it's semi because, or it's amplified at least by by n- new media sources, because we look at things from such an external perspective now, and and this is part of why I love podcasting, mm-hmm. where you really you're you're not seeing just short moments, you're seeing a whole conversation play it's out, a, and it's authentic exactly that's what it is this is authentic exactly exactly and and most people who will listen to this will probably be like damn i don't know shane uh, (laughs) yeah was like interested in this stuff most people might think i'm a dickhead most people you know might think i'm stupid yeah and you know like i don't know they might be right but i guess they have this true what what did you do to get to that point where you you're almost or at least this is what it seems that you're semi-insulated to to this criticism because that's hard why um like I'm not sure what you mean by that. To the point where like I don't. Care it like it doesn't about phase it. you. Oh yeah, that's what I thought you meant. Yeah. Um, ever since I got into fashion, pretty much, mm. you know, you, you wear wacky outfits. Uh, you don't care. Why should you care? Because that's holding you back. You know, and you really got to step out of your comfort zone in order to succeed. In order, you know, know more about the world. Know more about people around you. You know. And learn as a like grow as a person, grow your mind. You really gotta step out of your comfort zone. And I just stopped caring. Mm-hmm. I don't care. I'm sure a lot of people think I'm really weird. You know, I'm into the fashion stuff. I I post weird stuff on like my Instagram stories. I don't care because they don't know me. So how can you judge me if you don't know me? I'm not gonna do the same to you. Hmm. You know. Very wise, wise man, wise man. <laughs> So you you mentioned before that you're interested in reading. What what do you yeah. like reading? What do I like to read? Yeah, this might sound weird. Um, I like coming to age stories, and like I like kind of romantic coming to age stories. That might sound really weird, but like only the guys. Can you give an example? 
an example. I read this book called Crazy uh, by a German writer. It was like a, it was a bestseller in Germany, and they had like two copies in the library. Nobody's taken it out in like ten years. <laughs> I, I picked the book up and I, I skipped to a page, and it's yeah. about he wrote this. The guy, the author was Benjamin Lebert. Lebert, I'm pretty sure that's how you pronounce his name. He was 16 when he wrote the book, and I've never related to a book more in my life. Hmm. Uh, it was coming. It was about this kid going to private school. He's terrible at math. Um, you know, he gets kicked out of every school pretty much because he's, he's dumb. But he's not dumb. In in the story, the kid has some of the most like intellectual philosophical ideas ever. Like uh, the stories with his friends is insane. Like the stories about him like sneaking out with his friends like. It, like escaping the private school to go out to like a strip club or something with his friends and like stay in an apartment in in Amsterdam and it's absurd it's it's really crazy people people should start to read because you find yourself in reading and reading can put you in a whole nother dimension i'm yeah. reading i'm reading <laughs> dude such facts Bro, facts and um i'm reading this book called surface tension right now and it's probably like i don't know it's not a hard book Mm-hmm. I'm reading a hard book called Clockwork Orange. I don't know if you know that film. No idea. Yeah, but Surface Tension, the whole story is set over the time span of four years, four summers at some guy's like vacation house. I'm like, I don't know. Let's say the Hamptons, I'll call it, because I don't really know where it is. And when I'm reading it, like it feels like I'm there. Like mm. I feel like I'm in a whole different you know, area, pretty much. And you're able to relate to the character. I think... You know, people who don't read, they do that because, you know, schools give them books that they don't want to read. Yeah. But when you finally read a book that you like and you want to read, it's absolutely amazing. Mm -hmm. I feel like the way that reading opens yourself up to new perspectives and allows you to find yourself is almost a slippery slope. And that's one of the reasons why I didn't start avidly reading until recently, Mm -hmm. because that aspect of learning about yourself through a book kind of shows you all of your flaws and your imperfections. Whereas yeah. beforehand you were naive and ignorance is bliss as they like to call <laughs> yeah, it. Um, but. but once, once I started reading, surprisingly I found, I found characters who were like me um, and in a positive way I got to learn about myself and learn through these characters experiences, how I can develop myself. Mm-hmm. I mean, this might seem like a cliche, but Harry Potter, I've never read it before. I just started reading it. I know 16-year-old reading Harry Potter, kind of ridiculous. But I definitely feel um, and empathize with the main characters. And I've learned through like Harry's... What? Like Ronald? <laughs> yeah, Ronald. <laughs> I mean, homie. What do you I mean? mean? Ron, Ron, <laughs> I mean, like, Ron symbolizes a bunch of real-world struggles. Like, yeah. large poverty, family, poverty. poverty. Exactly. Like and Being people, awkward as it's the whole. It's the whole point of just, like, not judging a book by its cover. Because Ron's cool guy. Ron's funny, cool guy. He's goofball. Ronald, he's a goofball. Exactly. Like Ronald but Weasley. People, people hate on him in every, in every story because he's poor. Yeah. They're like the Weasleys. Yeah. Like, you rats. Like yeah, it's true, though. Like I mean, I'm sure that a lot of people in America or in the world in general can empathize with his experience and, and really understand what he's going through yeah. and see how he develops as an individual. I want to ask, uh, what's your opinion on the author? What's her name again? J.K. Rowling? J.K. Rowling adding all this, like, extra stuff to the story. She's yeah. added extra stuff to the story? What do you mean? Like, these, no, these spinoffs? Yeah. Not like the spinoffs, but like she's like at like uh Dumbledore's gay. 
Ah. Well, that was that was always there. Yeah. Yeah. But um, she's also added stuff. Hermione is black, supposedly. What? I don't know. Yeah. Really? I mean, Interesting. I mean, like the way that they it's describe all her, it's all her creative vision. If that's what. I don't think that's an add. It's, it's interesting that you say it's an add-on. Maybe it's because you've watched the movies and you see it as I, one. Thing. I've read uh, some of the books and the movies. Okay, but so. e- even but still, I was young when I read the books. Even so still, I think the movie portrays a specific version yeah, and definitely. a distorted version of what J.K. Rowling potentially meant by everything. And I, I'm not against her doing that at all. I I, mean, I I didn't expect you would be. But people say you know it's so excessive to the point where she's just doing it for attention mm. and. I don't, I don't think know so. If that's it. Regardless think, of if she is or if she isn't, if that was her intention, yeah, purely from an intention perspective, if her intention was for Hermione to be a black woman, who 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 are we to say that that is yeah, incorrect? Is wrong. Exactly. That's it's from fine. her brain. This this is the beautiful part I think of of books and writing. You envision the characters pretty much. That and you go into the mind of somebody else. Yeah. Because yeah. Harry Potter. That shit that doesn't actually exist. <laughs> you it's all her world. It's yeah. all in her brain or what she wrote out. Side question. Mm-hmm. Have you ever wanted to write a book? Yeah, 100%. Have you ever tried? I tried and then I stopped. Mm-hmm. I why'd why'd why. you stop? Yeah. And what was it about? It was called These Thoughts. The, like these, these nuts? nuts? <laughs> 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 it's got these. Like these oh, thoughts. Oh, these, not these. These. Yeah. these it's got these thoughts. <laughs> and it, it would be split up in different sections. And it'd be my personal opinion on love, my personal opinion on, you know, the education system, mm-hmm. my opinion on fashion and art as a whole, and cinema. And I go in-depth analysis on my opinion on all that stuff. I think that would, that would be a good... I'll you read that. Great, you have a great... No, no, that would be a great book idea. Just, like, get... You know, a lot of times... I'm reading a book like that right now. It's called... Well, it's a weird name. It's called Wabi Sabi. Wabi Sabi. Oh, yeah, you show me. You yeah, show me. Yeah, dedicated me. to philosophers, poets, artists, and designers. That's what it's dope. called. And it talks about art and the origin of the name Wabi Sabi. So wabi sabi pretty much means something that's old but is beautiful. Pretty much, it could be you know, that's what it is, and it's a whole in-depth analysis about the name and art as a whole, and it's really interesting. It's dope. But I think that getting the younger voices' opinions heard is really dope, and mm-hmm. especially from teenagers because I think that mass media is oversaturated with the older generation, and I think that. The news is curated for older people, and TV shows are curated for old people who sit down yeah. and watch TV because who watches TV? Um, so anymore. I feel like writing a book where you culminate a lot of younger people's experiences and thoughts is a really yeah. dope idea. I've been looking into a lot of um, younger writers, like our age, because one one of my projects over the summer. I don't have I don't have a job or anything. I don't have an internship like like most people might expect. Um, I have some projects I really want to work on. One of them is this. Another one is writing a book. Mm-hmm. And it touches on some of the ideas that we've talked about on this podcast. And I really got inspired when I saw some other people online who had written books. Um, specifically, one person comes to mind. So I was, I was followed randomly on Instagram by this girl named Nadia Okamoto. I think, I think 
I think that's her name. I would. She, she's an interesting person. She started a an, an, like a nonprofit, the biggest uh, women's nonprofit that's all like teenage run in the United States. Um, and she just wrote a book, uh, and it's called Period, and it ta- it's like a manifesto, um, basically talking about the stigmas around the menstruation cycle and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I was like. And and her her Instagram feed's kind of interesting. She also works on on a consulting group that like I I'm kind of involved in in some capacity tangentially. Shout out to her. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I would actually love if she came on this podcast. So if oh, if by her on. if if she ever is listening to this, we would love to have you on. But I I was kind of seeing it, and I'm like, you know what? She's 21. She also goes to Harvard, and I'm like, if she can do it, why can't like why can't I? You know? You're right. And uh, especially young people, like the author Benjamin Lebert, like that book, he was 16 Mm. and it was authentic. It was coming from a 16 year old's mind. So it's even more relatable. I mean, like you have like 50 year olds. The big debate is there's like 60 year olds producing movies for the teenage demographic. Yeah. High school movies. Yeah. And the dialogue is just all messed up. The situations are just not real because they're not teens because they're not teens that are making it so it's the same goes with books you know the dialogue is not authentic it's because it's not a teenage mind Mm. you know um i think that's kind of a problem i don't know if it's a problem but i think there should be uh teenagers should definitely focus more on like writing stuff and like you know i guess making movies or something and the avenues are there like when when we talk about movie making you could put an entire movie on youtube if we talk about book writing, you can sell your ebook online or make yeah, it free. Yeah, it's crazy. It's, you can we talk about articles. Anywhere. There are literal media platforms focused on allowing Gen Z, which is like our generation, mm-hmm. to publish their articles. Like I'm writing an article right now that hopefully I'll be publishing in the in the upcoming week. It involves a specific community that I was involved in, but it's the first time I've really ever written an article. And I really want to publish it. And and I realize that the avenues are there for me. Where in the past, it kind of wasn't. It wasn't, yeah. That's kind of the beauty of all Especially this. Especially since, you know, we're, we're kind of, our minds are growing. They're yeah. almost done. Yeah. I mean, um, and we know more. So it's easier for us to obtain these type of stuff. Like, you know, I can do anything and post it on YouTube. I literally made some stupid BS YouTube yeah, videos. So Got over a thousand views. And Damn. Some dude, literally, some, yeah. Some dude with 500, like 500,000 subscribers, like, chatted me out. And literally, like, it's crazy. It's really crazy. Um, but I think we should take all the opportunities that we have. For sure. For sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was going to say, what was I going to say? Sure, sure. Oh, yeah. Um, for content creation, I feel like the future especially is based on creativity. Because I know that we talked about this a little bit. Um, AI and things like that. Technology mm-hmm. is getting so advanced that regular jobs or even irregular jobs which require a lot of human activity are being replaced if you look at by machinery I, i'm sorry to interrupt you're good if you go to japan there there's far too many old people and not enough young people yeah 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 so you know what they do at caretaking places they have robots helping out the elderly instead of real people mm, wow and it's a it's insane because it could happen to us you know for all I know, some AI could be making like the n- the next like top design for something, you know, the next best pattern, and it's really scary. There's um, there's a pro- there's a study done where an AI wrote 
a poem, a little story. And people had to guess which story was written by a human or a computer. And I think it was three out of five or four out of five people said that the AI wrote the human one. <laughs> and it's because wow. it was able to express emotion. And it's absurd. Yeah, I think um, shout out to Louis. He was on the podcast, too. And um, we were in the car with him. We had a really amazing conversation about AI. And he he's really interested in AI and computer coding and all mm-hmm. that sort of stuff. That's like his niche. And he told us about how an AI was given um, data, right, from a bunch of different musicians, um, classical musicians like Bach, Mozart, mm-hmm. um, people like that, and it curated its own content, its own piece. That's insane. And it sounded <laughs> so similar to the classic pieces. I, it was crazy. If you know about this game Go, you ever hear about Go? Mm. All right, so they made this AI for Go. It's kind of, it's like a board, I don't know how to kind of describe it, because there's a movie on it on Netflix about it. There's this AI, um, you know how there's AI for chess? Yeah. This AI for Go beat the world champion, like, it can beat anybody in the world hmm. so easily. Wow. And it's insane. It's crazy, because, you know, computers are surpassing humans. There's still some aspects, you know, handmade stuff, like handmade shoes, um, I don't know what else. I don't know. Handmade goods are like the quality is clearly better. Handmade food, much better than like factory made food, stuff like that. There's still some aspects in which like, you know, machines are not better than humans at like activities. I feel like people think that machines don't have a particular integrity, which humans do. For instance, um, a handmade shoe might not be as well made as a factory made shoe because a factory and its machines are precise, whereas yeah, handmade but, might have some minute uh, issues, right? But people would rather buy the handmade one because they think that there's more effort, more passion and the, invested in that and material. Like, I'll go along with quality of it. Like, a factory-made one, it's made to have, you know, like, be for the public. Like, mm-hmm. going back to the market idea and, and the art idea. How the man the man-made one, you know, the quality of everything is overall better. It's made to fit your foot perfectly. Mm-hmm. where you're given, you know, a size, like 10, 10 and a half. Like, I'm not a perfect 11, but, you know, I have to wear a size 11. You know, they're a bit big on me, but I can't wear a 10 and a half because then it's going to be too small. But if I get a man-made shoe, it's going to fit perfect. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's some stuff the machines just can't do. Very true. Asher, input? Um, When it comes to, I think we want to have a, a greater conversation about AI and and how it's growing, definitely. Potentially a pod doc on it. Um, my take is, I think there are a lot of ethical questions that now arise with the rise of AI, especially when it comes to, and this is something I'm very interested in, because I'm also very interested in philosophy. I'm interested in the intersection between artificial intelligence and identity formation, in the sense that we now assign, for example, genders to AI, mm. potentially because the sound is of a woman. So like Siri, right? You're like, oh, yeah. it's a woman. Some Siri is a man. Why do we uh, like give an identity to something that does not actually exist? They don't, they don't have feelings. They don't that have... too. And and that poses an interesting question, especially when it comes to coding. Louis was talking, we were talking to Louis about this idea, whether or not you could code a moral compass. 
Because I think the biggest wow. issue, that's, <laughs> right? Because then if you can that. code, because I, I, <laughs> I think the thing that differentiates us from technology right now is that we have moral compass. We are not solely driven. We're not solely rational, right? We have an irrational mm-hmm. side. Can you code that irrational side? And if you can, what differentiates us at that point from a robot? It would be nothing. It would really be nothing. And this is why we get sci-fi, right? This is why sci-fi is so cool. I love sci-fi too. Sci-fi books are cool. I am yeah. I am a huge Star Trek person. And it's weird to think that we're kind of getting to that point where a lot of the the questions... It's a very, like, if you look at it, the old stuff, not the new stuff, not like the action-packed stuff, the old stuff is very philosophical and political. Yeah. That stuff to me is very interesting because it poses all the questions that we not only deal with now... So it's very relatable, but it also poses questions that we're going to deal with in the future. And these people who are creating it were able to think that far in advance and ask your ask themselves, like, all right, if this happened, what what is the proper course of action in our brain, or what do we what do we want to prescribe as as a greater message for when artificial intelligence works aside, like right next to us when we're trying to I don't know like discover new places. I think that stuff's all interesting. Um, I definitely want to have more conversations around this because I think that's that's the future. That's also why I'm, I, I think everyone should be taking at least one computer science or coding class. Definitely. Because that all that stuff is going to be integrated into our lives, and, and you should at least know what's going on. In a business standpoint, too, it's really useful. Dude, in, in a business standpoint, this stuff was going to make way more money than anyone's oh, ever made money. Amazon, by the way, Amazon is not in the business. They're not even paying taxes. Of, well, <laughs> that's, that's a side <laughs> note. That's crazy. They're not in the business of selling you things. They're in the business of getting your data and selling it to companies. Yeah, it's That's where they're cookies. making their money. That's, that's, YouTube, they're not in the business of being partnered with brands. They're in the business of selling your information to brands so they can market to you. So my dad talked to me about, you know, like... um. How, where he works, he works at Calvin, and how, and like retailer websites pay so much money to have like Prada, like, like, like let's say Prada or whatever, they'll pay so much money to have their items pop up first on your computer screen. And people who specialize in that make so much money off of that, it's absurd. And it, that's all programming and stuff like that. It's really insane. And that's how market is. Like, if you go to a grocery store, that stuff's been going on forever. Like, mm-hmm. they'll put, like, cereal front row so it catches your eye. Yeah. That's what you're going to buy. And now that's kind of uh, moving into, uh, like, a technological standpoint mm. where something that pops up first mm-hmm. is like a cereal that you first see in the supermarket. It's very true. So you wrap it up? Yeah, let's wrap. All right. All right. Um well, this was definitely a different conversation that we've had on the episode, particularly because this had no indicators whatsoever. Um, we literally, we, yeah, went, we didn't. This is the first it was, episode it was a that full we did conversation. With, full without any planning. So it was the purest form of conversation, yeah. which was good for That's sure. Great. But anyways, thank you, Shane, for hopping on. Thank we really appreciate you. And uh, now we're gonna. Oh yeah, Shane, if if you want to plug any of your socials, this is your time to oh, do it. Um. You check out my Instagram, Shane Elias. Pretty much, uh, that's it. My Twitter, it's called um, Hi Junj, H I J U N J. Uh huh. Um, Any brands that you like that you want to shout out? Uh, shout out to Prada. Uh, <laughs> pretty much. Shout out Gucci the Drip. <laughs> yeah. Shout out Prada, Issey Miyake. Yeah. 
That's about it. And keep Different. your eyes out for for some new projects between Joey and Shane. For sure, yeah. yeah. Stealth wealth coming soon. <laughs> soon, coming soon. But anyways, as always, this is the DWD podcast. If you guys want to contact us or just have a conversation with us, our socials and emails are linked down below. Feel free to contact us. It would be really amazing. Also, yeah. rate, review, and subscribe on oh, Apple yeah. Podcasts. We're we now on Apple on there. Podcasts. We've been receiving a lot of messages, by the way, and we really appreciate the feedback. We have some interesting calls that are happening actually this weekend. We're pumping out a ton of content. We hope you enjoy, and we'd love to know what you think. So yeah. make sure to contact us. But as always, this is the DWD podcast and we out peace 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 yo